Was I the only one singing along? Were you doing the hand motions? Oh, you bet your ass. I had my C going, and I was doing some Lamanite chopping. There was some dancing going. Welcome to this episode of Irreligiosophy, the one true podcast, and the only podcast to be holding fast to the iron rod for 2,000 years. <laughs> uh, your rod may be a little wrinkled if it's 2,000 years old. What Damn are you, fucking mummy <laughs> two, two and a half years yeah holy since shit. january of 2009 that works better <laughs> what we're gonna do today is crazy book of mormon stories this ought to be interesting to those of you who don't know shit about mormonism uh, because this stuff is rammed down your throat every fucking sunday uh from birth to death essentially so mormons know this shit backwards and forwards i don't think anyone else really heard of it well, see, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, growing up, uh, it, it's always, have you read the entire Book of Mormon? I mean, from the time you're in primary, which is just little squirts running around. And even in my family, I mean, it, it was almost a sign of respect when you could say, I've read the Book of Mormon five times. I mean, even my right. father would stand up and say, oh, I've read it 15 times, cover to cover, things like that. I mean, it's a, it's a point of pride. And they're really proud when they can show you their scripture and every fucking page has been highlighted in multiple yeah. colors. Yeah, they got little drawings among it to show what's happening in the scriptures. I mean, this is rampant. This is what they do during family home evening. Right. Um, now, before we get to that stuff, there was one iTunes review I wanted to go over. Uh, this is genius. Yeah, uh, awesome. Five-star review by Nick Kakala. This tourly is the one tour podcast, and all others weep before them. The podcast feature one guy, Chuck, and another man starring as an idiot. I really have no idea if he actually is an idiot. To sum it up, he's the funny one. <laughs> you know, it, it just it just makes me weep to know that there's somebody out there to misspell that many words in two sentences <laughs> and call me an idiot. That just that warms my heart. <laughs> I like how yeah, it was a really long review, so he had to wind it all up with a concluding thesis. But yeah. to sum it up, to ladies it and up. gentlemen of the jury, <laughs> he is—he's the he's retard, the functional retard. <laughs> We're lucky he's not just peeing in a corner while he's talking, but he is the funny one. <laughs> to sum it up, he is the funny one. <laughs> you may ask him to install a door and find him humping it five minutes later, but he is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, we haven't done a whole lot on skunk dicks. Uh, not for lack of material, uh, just for uh, lack of motivation, would you say? Too fucking lazy? Uh, well, I think your motivation is right. Mostly we got that warehouse and you and I building Halloween all year round. It's it, it, it's like Michael Jackson wandering into an elementary school. The excitement is palpable. <laughs> you realize Michael Jackson's dead. Is it too soon? When did he die? <laughs> How long has he been dead? Zombie Michael Jackson wandering into an elementary school. Well, at least you'd know what time it was bedtime when the big hand meets the little hand, so... Today we have a skunk dick. (laughs) 
who I think is going to displace you from the Skunk Dick Hall of Fame. Last week, out of the blue, after a month of not hearing anything from the Evans for Faith guys... After a month of not even thinking about the Evans for Faith guys... <laughs> Leighton gets an email from Kirk Hastings, who, by the way, has blocked Leighton from his I'm email. I'm still address. blocked. Kirk can send me emails. And I, I have no opportunity to respond to them. Uh, so what did that say, Leighton? Oh, it uh, it was actually really, really funny, because... In his little email to me, this is the exact phrasing. I respectfully suggest you take down your comments about our last debate from your website, because frankly, I'm getting tired of answering simple-minded emails from your followers like the one below. And what's best of all is the email he sent me was a month old. So he's complaining about being swamped by emails, and he sends me the response from a fucking month ago. <laughs> so apparently he's just uh, clamoring for attention, I guess. Um, I think you tried to reply back, but you were still blocked, right? Yeah, yeah, I tried to respond back. I was still blocked. So I put a little post up on the site saying, well, Kirk, you don't have to hide. If you want me to post something, just ask. And it's up on the on the main page of the site if you want to look at it. Yeah, so, so three days later, <laughs> not coincidentally, as it turns out, we received hate mail number only second. We've been in business here for two and a half years, right? We've been running the show for two and a half years. This is only our second piece of hate mail that we've ever received, and it was from an attorney named Grant Gardner. You know, the the funniest thing about this piece of hate mail is when Charlie called me about it, I had read it earlier that morning, and what was my exact phrase to you, Charlie? It was basically, I wanted to respond with one sentence, did Kirk put you up to this? Right, so the email says... I would like you to know that I have perused some of the material on your site, as I am quite interested in the theist-atheist debate. For your information, at this point I am still somewhat on the fence concerning exactly what God might or might not be. I haven't made up my mind yet. Nevertheless, I have to tell you I found your website to be overall a pretty poor defense of atheism in general. And why is it a poor defense? First of all, because of the incredibly bad attitudes displayed by both you and your subscribers. (laughs) <laughs> you probably think it is all a big joke or something. <laughs> but so, frankly, as a fairly responsible adult, I can tell you that to me, you all come across as little more than a bunch of sarcastic, foul-mouthed misfits with extremely rotten people and communication skills. Awesome. And, uh, I, I take offense at that, Kirk. Our fans are not misfits. They're dicks and they're assholes. There's a complete difference. Uh, he goes on. Uh, also, many of your arguments fall seriously flat, and <laughs> not just flat, but seriously flat, in the logic, <laughs> reason, and scientific categories. I am in the legal field, and I know something about logic and reason <laughs> being forced to rely on it often in the courtroom. I, I'm relatively sure there's a logical fallacy in there somewhere. I just can't put my <laughs> finger on it. Argument to authority. <laughs> ah, there it is. <laughs> you put forth a number of so-called intellectual, that's in scare quotes, positions that are viciously flung into the reader's face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, this is where it gets good. This is where he says we just state it without any research and just claim it as true. Yeah, he gives some examples. Uh, you just because you know you adopt an extremely smug, condescending, this is right, just because I'm smarter than you attitude. Well, just because... Um, we Kirk, we are smarter than you. It <laughs> doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> oh, I guess we should tell them uh, about you doing some research on the email. I keep saying Kirk. 
So, um, it was brought up by Save Me Jeebus that, uh, <laughs> he's like, is anyone else thinking that this has been written by Kirk Hastings? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Save Me Jeebus. So, I looked up the email headers, and sure enough, they matched exactly. So, Kirk Hastings is Grant Gardner. I guess he took that alias because it's some obscure... Uh, Captain America. Yeah, alternate, secret identity of Captain America uh, in like a serial from the 1950s or something. And what what makes this the absolute lowest a man can absolutely get is after being caught red-handed in his lie, he starts throwing up worse lies, saying, oh, it was an April Fool's joke. Oh, well... Batman can have a secret identity. Why can't yeah. I? <laughs> yeah, he says it's an April Fool's joke played on the 22nd. Good one, Kirk. Uh, woo! <laughs> yeah, I often, <laughs> I'll often do that myself. You know, when I'm when I'm raping someone and I finish and they're like, oh, hoo, hoo, I say, April Fool's. And that's when they look up, it's June 22nd, bitch! <laughs> And I said, that just makes it funnier because it's unexpected. That really surprises you. (laughs) He says, actually, my joke was partially serious. Most of what I said I believe is true. I simply created my own secret identity through which to say it. And in parentheses, if Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne can do it, why can't I? They aren't ever accused of being liars because they have other identities. Mark, they don't exist. Just for your information. They're, they're comic book characters, Kurt. Yeah, they're, they're written up. And not only that, if you're partially serious about what you wrote, does that mean you are really intent on the debate and you are finding yourself disbelieving, as you put in the email? Yeah, he's uh, suddenly on the fence, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Kirk, how did that whole secret identity thing uh, work out for you? <laughs> we treated him exactly the same as we would have treated him had it been written by Kirk Hastings. His whole idea was, oh, you're just dismissing my stuff because it comes from me, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's exactly what it was. Wrong. They're stupid ideas, Kirk. It's not you. <laughs> yeah. The it's ideas stupid are stupid ideas. by themselves. And for this, I mean, just you got to go and read some of this bullshit. I mean, some of it is just so far-fetched. You're just scratching your head going, where the fuck did he come up with this? It's it's awesome. It's typical Kirk Hastings. He's uh, petulant. He's uh, uh, easily riled and uh, amazingly unnecessarily bitter. <laughs> I think he's in love with you. Well, he may have a crush on uh, one of us. Yes, yes, I'm hoping it's you. (laughs) Uh, All right, so should we move to the meat of the podcast? Well, I certainly enjoy my meat. Where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> Should we get to the meat? Boom, play. I'm sitting there going, what the fuck? <laughs> that is called a segue, Leighton. We're segueing uh, into the Book of Mormon stories. Crazy Book of Mormon stories. Yes, yes. Well, um, when we never do a segue, perhaps you should warn your co-host when you're just going to start playing Book of Mormon music in their ear. Today we also have Kirk Hastings. Kirk, do you think it's fair to uh, do a segue like that out of the blue? Sounds fair to me. Oh, see, there Kirk, you when you notice Charlie dropping his keys, uh, do you often think about bending him over a table? Sounds fair to me. 
I, I feel the same way. You're my kind of man. Kirk, is it fair to say that you and Keith Kendricks are secretly gay lovers? Sounds fair to me. You know, Kirk, I recently heard that in lieu of payment and actual monetary gains, you are getting ass-raped for your work on the Evidence for Faith. That doesn't sound fair to me, Kirk. Sounds fair to me. Well, apparently he thinks it's fair. <laughs> do, do they provide lubrication, or at this point, they mu they're making you pay for their lubrication, aren't they? Sounds fair to me. Well, shit. When he can seems... we buy you? He seems pretty happy about the whole thing. Yeah, Inshul complains more than this guy does. <laughs> so, Book of Mormon Stories. Uh, that my teacher taught to me. Uh, it's amazing, because they teach this thing to kids, right? And you make little stupid movements with your arms. So the sea's like this wavy movement, and when they come to Lamanite, you're always chopping the air on the tomahawk. <laughs> I know, you're, you're basically just lumping all the Lamanites into the evil Indians. And if you want to see just absolute craziness, just type in Book of Mormon Stories into Google, and LDS Org pops up, and it's got all the children's stories out of the Book of Mormon, and they are creepy as fuck. Oh yeah, they they have it animated. There was a time in like in the eighties or nineties when they were doing this whole animation thing, and um, I love it because the Lamanites always have feathers on their head. They're like these in the red. They're Indians. They're the red man, <laughs> unless they're righteous. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let let's um, let's start. Let, we're going to alternate. Otherwise. Um, I'm going to take all the time, and you won't ha ha get to hear any of Leighton's golden research on the Book of Mormon. Yes, because so gonna... literally, I kid you not, all of my research came from the children material right. scripture stories on LDS.org. Exactly. So, <laughs> so the setup is the Book of Mormon starts with uh, Nephi being born of goodly parents. Uh, Lehi is a prophet in ancient Jerusalem around 600 B.C., right? So this yeah. is this is a decade or two before they were um, taken over by the Babylonians and, and carted away. So Lehi is preaching repentance to them, but uh, he's called away and he's he's going to take his family to the promised land, right? But yeah, basically, God says to him, "The people here are getting upset at you for talking to them, so why don't you run away?" So they run away, and the most amazing thing is they leave all of their shit behind, all of their gold. And nobody takes it while they're gone. They're still able to come back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because they, they send they send a bunch of sons back to get all their stuff, right? No one's taking all their shit. Yeah. Give me a break. And I, and I think we should start with that story because this is just a crazy-ass story that has always just made me scratch my head. And Well, basically what happens is, as Charlie points out, Lehi takes his family out in the wilderness, and then God says, oh, shit. We forgot the brass plates. Um, Lehi, send your uh, sons back to get it. So, right, so the brass plates contain essentially the Old Testament. Yeah, they they contain. Uh, uh, well, they told about Lehi's forefathers and contain the words of God revealed. So, prophets, right, prophets. it might be maybe the the Torah where you have uh, the the first five books of of Moses, right? Uh, suspiciously yeah. written on fucking brass plates like this is the common practice of the ancient Hebrews <laughs> come on <laughs> can you imagine writing the first fucking five books of the bible on on plates of brass oh god can <laughs> yeah sitting there with a little chisel ting 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 right. ting 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 yeah. and it came to pass I mean fuck this shit yeah, yeah. but you know apparently it's all over the place so they send uh, 
Well, didn't they ask uh, Lemuel or Layman to go first because he was the oldest? Yeah, yeah, they went. See, and and this is a, a theme you will find. Uh, what, what's that character, Charlie? Uh, you you talked about it. It was the Star Trek, the girl who wrote herself into Star Trek. Yeah, it's the, Mary Sue is the uh, yeah. internet meme. It's the uh, this lady wrote some fiction about the Enterprise, and she was an ensign called Mary Sue, and, and she winds up saving everything. Yeah, right. She, yeah. All the good ideas come from her. She saves everything. You know, she helps Captain Kirk. Blah blah blah. She's all right, the hero right. of the story. That in mind, I want you to think, whenever Nephi's name is spoken, think Mary Sue, because whoever wrote this is literally putting themselves in as Nephi the superhero. Because sure enough, he goes to the older brothers, no, no, they don't want to go, they don't have faith in God, goes to Nephi, I will go and do as the Lord commands. So what is their first plan? Oh, I know. Let's send in laymen and just ask politely for the plates. That'll work. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Surprisingly, he got chased out uh, by the guards. They got all upset, and so they thought about it. And this is where the gold comes in mind, because they ran away. They've been out in the wilderness for months. Their entire property is abandoned, and yet they decide, let's gather all of our gold and try to buy it. Right, that's Nephi's idea, right? Yeah, that's Nephi's idea. So unsurprisingly, when Laban steals all their gold and then tries to kill them, they start to beat Nephi and his younger brother, Sam, with sticks. Because he's lost all the gold. Now consider this. They fucking left for the wilderness, leaving all their fucking gold behind. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is it important? Really, you walked away. People could have walked into your house and stolen it. You abandoned it and you come back you find it and you try to trade and that trade goes bad and so you're beating the shit out of and this is what I love you get names like Layman, Lemuel, Nephi and then you have the younger brother Sam yeah we'll get to that a little later too when, when they uh, name the apostles uh, on the new content <laughs> continent it's like fucking Moroni Ha Nephi Ha Zebagai and then Timothy <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so an angel appears, right? And he yeah. says, stop smacking Nephi. <laughs> stop beating your brother. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens is, is uh, the angel says, you guys can do it. And so they start walking up towards the wall again. And everybody gets scared. And Nephi's like, okay, I'll go do it. And so he comes forward. And here, right here in the Book of Mormon, is where God commands Nephi to kill Laban. It is better that one man should die than an entire nation dwell in unbelief. Right, he comes, and this is in the animated story. You remember seeing yeah. this, right? Yeah, he um, literally chops. You see the sword going down in the animated you story. See, yeah, you see the shadow of it. Um, Laban's drunk, and he passes out in front of Nephi. So the Lord has delivered Laban unto Nephi's hands, and he doesn't want to kill him, but the Lord says it's better for one man to perish than an entire nation to dwindle in unbelief, you know, if they don't have these fucking Which I'm blades. sure happens all the time. The king of the entire fucking city gets drunk, wanders down a, a back alley, and just falls over with no guards and nobody knowing where he is. Yeah. So Nephi chops off his head and then wears his little cloak into uh, his his palace. And Surprisingly, very place. little blood when you chop off a head, so the clothes were completely clean. <laughs> Unless he stripped him <laughs> naked before chopping off his head. 
Uh, yeah, no blood on the cloak. <laughs> Nothing suspicious. And yeah. of course, the servant's so fucking stupid. He just, you know, sees the cloak and oh, he assumes, even though he's got a different voice, he assumes that uh, it's different Laban. voice. I mean, it's funny because in the uh, the little children's book, you got Laban, who's this big fat ass with a beard, and then you got yeah. Nephi, this skinny little kid that's clean shaven. <laughs> right. All right. So he takes the brass plates back. And, and this is the part that has just confused the fuck out of me since I was a kid. Because here's the servant, Zoram, and Nephi says to him, Oh, thank you for the plates. Oh, I got away clean, but you should still follow me outside of the city. So Zoram follows him outside of the city. Nephi's brothers start running away because they see Laban coming. And Nephi yells, Oh, hey, guys, it's me. So Zoram starts running away. Nephi tackles him and says, oh, we won't kill you if you come and live with us. And he says, okay. Why the fuck did he take him with him in the first place? My point. Why, Why did he take him? Why the fuck him? did he take him? Why is Zoram accepting this? He was a servant. He wasn't a slave. Why are you fucking living with these random people out in the wilderness? And I'll tell you why. And this is how you can tell it's a fucking story and not actual events, right? It didn't actually happen. Because it is necessary for the plot for them to have some unrelated people to have sex with and make children by. Otherwise, yeah. it's a bunch of incest, right? So that's why. But the author didn't think long enough for the whole fucking thing to make any sense at all. You know, Nephi just says, oh, come out with me. Um, all right, well, even though we're at the edge of the city, just keep coming. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. fucking make any sense. We're at the fucking edge of the city, and I promise I won't hurt you as long as you come with us. So why is it Zorm okay. didn't go with him for a little bit and then escape? Yeah. He actually marries one of the women and, and takes still all doesn't of, escape. Takes all of his children with him, too, so he can provide wives for these guys. <clears throat> so um, that's that story. That's, that's, a, that's a great fucking story. Wonderful story. They've got their brass plates. Yay. The, the <laughs> next story is, if you know anything about Mormonism, this is... Uh, th this will come up. This is Lehi, right? He, he had he's had a dream, and it oh, came God, to pass. So <laughs> we're we're in First Nephi chapter eight verse two, and it came to pass that while my father tarried in the wilderness, he spake unto us, saying, "Behold, I have dreamed a dream," or in other words, I have seen a vision. <laughs> now. <laughs> I read that as, you know, back, and I haven't read the Book of Mormon for like 20 fucking years. I read no. that back and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Why do you have uh, to see, explain that? This is the problem. When we were believers, we would read this and we were doing our best to see the good in it. When I was reading this, I don't know if the same thing happened to you, Charlie, but I was reading this and I'm like, what the fuck? Did a six-year-old write this? Oh, yeah. This is pathetic. It, I mean, it makes, it's just completely different eyes. Makes me embarrassed for the adults who read I mean, we have excuses we were kids for the most part. The adults who get converted and read this shit and actually believe it, I, I feel really bad for them. So the only way I can make sense of this is if <laughs> the author of the story believes that Nephi, Laman, Lemuel, and Sam are all fucking idiots. <laughs> so there's Lehi. <laughs> he goes, Behold, I have dreamed a dream. And they're all sitting there and just blinking at him. And he goes, oh. What's a dream? Nephi, what's a dream? In other words, I have seen a vision. Oh, a vision! Oh, I got it! Why didn't you say that in the first place? <laughs> Which, being interpreted, means I've seen a vision. <laughs> so he goes on. He, he says, he talks about this uh, dream. And it came to pass that I saw a man, and he was dressed in a white robe. And he came and stood before me. And it came to pass that he spake unto me, and bade me follow him. 
and it came to pass that as I Would followed somebody him... somebody please count up how many and it came to passes there are in the Book of Mormon? Because oh that was the God. one thing that irritated me, even as a believer. Yeah, and looking back on it, it's clear they're inserting this to make it sound like the Old Testament, right? Yeah. That's frequently used in the Old Testament, but not as frequently as this shit. And it came to pass that as I followed him, I beheld myself that I was in a dark and dreary waste. And after I had traveled for the space of many hours in darkness, I began to pray unto the Lord that he would have mercy on me, according to the multitude of his tender mercies. And it came to pass, after I had prayed unto the Lord, I beheld a large and spacious field. So apparently this guy says, come follow me, and then just disappears into fucking nowhere. <laughs> oh shit, I gotta pray now. <laughs> and it came to pass that I beheld a tree whose fruit was desirable to make one happy. And it came to pass that I did go forth and partake of the fruit thereof. I mean, this is this is the fucking worst writing I think I've ever ever read. You know what the worst part of You're this? You're killing me. He's the telling worst. me. And it came to pass I took a step. And then it yeah. came to pass I took another step. And then yeah. it came to pass that I saw a tree. The worst part about this story is, uh, at least when I got it growing up, there are two versions of this story. Not only, I, I mean, just literally two fucking versions of the same exact story. And you get them both. And my father would sit us down at least a few times a year and go over this particular dream both times in like a, a week to two week span. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's horrible. So he goes forth and partakes of the fruit. And I beheld that it was most sweet above all that I ever before tasted. Yea, and I beheld that the fruit thereof was white, to exceed all the whiteness that I'd ever seen. Because you know white equals good. <laughs> it's really fucking white, folks, is what he really it's... wants to say. <laughs> <laughs> this is the whitest white. Dude, you can't even get sunglasses. You they can't... haven't been invented yet, but sunglasses. You can't get You can't get whiter than this. As I partook of the fruit thereof, it filled my soul with exceedingly great joy. Wherefore, I began to be desirous that my family should partake of it also, for I knew that it was desirable above all other fruit. Yeah, because it's desirous and desirable. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he looks around and sees a river. At the head thereof, I beheld your mother Sariah and Sam and Nephi. So he's seeing his, his family around there, right? And the sad thing is, is I could quote this from memory. <laughs> oh, <could. laughs> oh, God. And so, you know, he beckoned them, and uh, they came to me and partook of the fruit. And unfortunately, Laman and Lemuel, you know, he wanted them to come too, but no, they wouldn't come. Um, I beheld a rod of iron, and it extended along the bank of the river and led to the and tree by which I stood. And I decided to name it Layton. And I also beheld a straight and narrow path, which, <laughs> along came, uh, by the rod, which came along by the rod of iron, even to the tree which, by which I stood, all right? So now you got a river, a rod of iron, and a straight and narrow path, right? Yeah, which, if it's a straight and fucking narrow path, why do you need a goddamn rod of iron to guide you? <laughs> You're just putting one foot in front of the other, guys. <laughs> so he says, there was a large and spacious field, as if it had been a world. And, you know, as we find out in First Nephi 11, it actually does represent a world. <laughs> really? I didn't see that coming. That's a shocker. As explained by the fucking angel of the Lord. Uh, and I saw numberless concourses of people, many of whom were pressing forward that they might obtain the path which led under the tree by which I stood. 
And it came to pass that they did come forth and commence in the path which led to the tree. <sighs> and then there arose a mist of darkness, and they can, and confused the shit out of them, and they wandered off, and they were lost, right? But others caught hold of the end of the uh, rod of iron, the iron rod. They grabbed hold of that iron rod. And they did press forward through the mist of darkness, clinging to the they rod of iron. They stroked that iron rod and, and shined it and polished it. <laughs> even until they did come forth and partake of the fruit of the tree. You want to know how seriously Mormons take this dream? If you ever see an LDS person and they're wearing a little necklace and at the end of it is just this little piece of straight metal and you turn it over, it'll say, hold to the rod. This is how seriously they take this dream. Right, like it's fucking genius, right? Um, after they had partaken of the fruit of the tree, they did cast their eyes about as if they were ashamed. Uh, so Leighton looks around. He's like, what the hell? Why are these guys ashamed? They just ate a great uh, fruit that's really, really white. I don't think Leighton was the one that looked around. Oh, Lehi? <laughs> Lehi, Leighton, Lemuel? Yes. Just call me Lemuel. <laughs> so Lehi cast his eyes round about and beheld on the other side of the river a great and spacious building, and it stood as it were in the air high above the earth. Hmm. What could that mean, Leighton? Let's see, a building with no foundation <laughs> where the people are leaning out the windows mocking those oh, on the troop. There it is. And it was filled with people, both old and young, both male and female, and their manner of dress was exceedingly fine. Well, that can't mean you, Leighton. No. no it doesn't I, say they're in fucking spandex and, and boots. That's true. I'm safe. Um, my one question is, uh, in reading the Book of Mormon, do they provide you with a gun to put in your mouth, or do you have to order one separately? And they were in the attitude of mocking and pointing their fingers towards those who had come at and were partaking of the fruit. Now that is us. Uh, I don't know. That that sounds more like Kirk Hastings writing us a fake email again. Whining about <laughs> our bad attitudes. <laughs> <laughs> sounds fair to me. Oh, God. And so um, he says, uh, you know, some people, because of the, they were ashamed, they, they fell away, they dropped the fruit, and they, you know, walked away, and they were lost. But eventually he saw other people, multitudes, feeling their way toward the great and spacious building. That That's our fans coming toward the irreligiosity yeah. show. Yeah, that's our fans walking down this straight and narrow going, why is this rod so slippery? <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're looking at us, laughing at them, and they're like, those fuckers, and they're coming to kick our ass. So great was the multitude that did enter into that strange building, even um, approaching double digits. <laughs> like ten. <laughs> After they did enter the building, they did point the finger of scorn at me. God damn, they're mean. Yeah, they hurt his feelings. Maybe that's what this whole thing is about. High school, really. So uh, so that's that's essentially the dream. Yes, and thank God it's fucking over. It's not over. <laughs> Oh, God. Three chapters later... Oh, God, we already talked about it popping up again. <laughs> but, you know, this is how stupid Nephi is, right? It seems fairly fucking obvious what that means, right? The tree of life, what, the love of God or the gospel, blah, blah, uh, blah, the good okay, news. Okay, we're talking the Bible is something you have to interpret. The Book <laughs> of Mormon, they beat you yeah. into a bloody pulp with the their The iron stories. rod is the word of God. If you hold strong to that, then you can walk that straight and narrow path and, and, and eat of the fruit and get salvation, blah, blah, Let's blah. Let's see. The path is straight <laughs> and narrow. I wonder what that... If I live my life... What the fuck so is Nephi, wrong with... Nephi is so fucking stupid that in First Nephi 11... 
For it came to pass, after I desired to know the things that my father had seen, and believing the Lord was able to make them known unto me, as I sat pondering in mine heart, I was caught away in the spirit of the Lord. And so the spirit asked, you know, what desirest thou? <laughs> I, I desired to behold the things which my father saw. No, 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 this is what he said. Duh! <laughs> What's what what what's a three? <laughs> so he sees the same vision, and God uh, tells him exactly what it means. Not only does he see the same vision, but he spins the entire fucking chapter describing the exact same thing his father. Oh described. my God! I've looked beheld the tree, and it was like unto the tree which my father had seen, and the beauty thereof was far beyond, yea, exceeding all beauty, and the whiteness thereof did exceed the whiteness of the driven snow. Because Hebrews uh, get snowed on a lot, right? Yeah, They're yeah, they, snow. they understand snow down there in Egypt. Maybe they'll maybe they'll see it in the mountains, I guess, far off. But anyway. Um, and it came to pass after I'd seen the tree, I said unto the spirit, you know, I behold this. And the spirit said unto me, what desirest thou? To know the interpretation thereof. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> That's when God says, maybe I shouldn't have chosen you as the one my people. <laughs> uh, this is turning out to be a bad decision. It came to pass and he said unto me, look. I looked as if to look upon him. <laughs> I'm not this kidding. is literally how it reads. This is what it says. You want to stab yourself in the face after reading this literally, shit. Literally, word for word. And it came to pass that he said unto me, Look. And I looked as if to look upon him, and I saw him not, for he had gone for before my presence. And it came to pass that I looked and beheld the great city of Jerusalem and also other cities. And I beheld the city of Nazareth. And in the city of Nazareth I beheld a virgin, and she was exceedingly fair and white. Of course, she's white. She's Jewish. <laughs> Which Jews are not white? Yeah, all of them I see. <laughs> Nephi, what beholdest thou? Uh, virgin, right? Exceedingly white. Well, that is the Virgin Mary. She's about to get porked. Watch, yeah. there's the Holy Spirit. And goal! Yeah. That's how it went. Behold, the virgin whom thou seest is the mother of the Son of God. It's fucking 600 years before the birth of Christ, right? Yeah. 600 fucking years before the birth of Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God, yea, even the Son of the Eternal Father. Oh my God, this is awful. I'm just waiting for you to please, for the love of Christ, stop. Wait, he's explaining it. And it came to pass that I beheld the rod of iron. We which, don't which my need explanation. Our our listeners are smarter than Nephi. Was the word of God, which led to the fountain of living waters, or to the tree of life, which waters are a representation of the love of God. And See? during this intermission period, you get uh, that? all of us will shut our brains off while Charlie continues <laughs> to drone on relentlessly about a story none of us care about. <laughs> I love the specificity of the, of the prophecies here. And I looked and beheld the Redeemer of the world, of whom my father had spoken. And I also, because, you know, everyone was prophesying of Christ in 600 B.C. Oh, yeah. In fact, they were calling him Jesus, Jesus Christ yeah. from the very beginning. And I also beheld the prophet who should prepare the way before him. And the Lamb of God went forth and was baptized of him. And after he was baptized, I beheld the heavens open and the Holy Ghost come down out of heaven and abide upon him in the form of a dove. Jesus wait, wait, wait. They're describing Christ. Peter in that, right? Yeah, it's Peter. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that, that's enough of that shit. So I just find it really funny that you have the whole fucking vision, which is obvious to everybody, uh, and then it has to be explained fucking three chapters later. But I'm going to tell you something, Leighton, now that I bet you don't know. Please? <laughs> In uh, Joseph Smith's mother's biography, Lucy Mack Smith... Is this where she talks about how Joseph Smith used to regale her about uh, stories of the people who used to be there? No. 
No, different. She says that Joseph Smith Sr., the father of the prophet, had the following dream in 1811 when the family was living in Lebanon, New Hampshire. Joseph Smith Jr. would have been five years old at the time. I'm going to read this dream to you, and I want you to see if there's any similarity to that which is found in Lehi's vision of 600 B.C. Okay, I'm, I'm sure I speak for all of our fans when we say, when you read, can we get like the, the dubbed version or the speeded up version? <laughs> I thought I was traveling in an open, desolate field, which appeared to be very barren. As I was thus traveling, the thought suddenly came to my mind that I had better stop and reflect on what I was doing before I went any further. So I asked myself, what motive could I have traveling here, and what place could this be? My guide, who was by my side, as before, said, this is the desolate world, but travel on. The road was so broad and barren that I wondered why I should travel it in it. For, said I to myself, broad is the road and wide is the gate that leads to death, but many, many there be that walk therein. But narrow is the way and straight is the gate that leads to everlasting life, and few there be that go in thereat. Traveling a short distance farther, I came to a narrow path. This path I entered. When I had traveled a little way in it, I beheld a beautiful stream of water which ran from the east to the west. Of this stream... I could see neither the source nor yet the termination, but as far as my eyes could extend, I could see a rope running along the bank of it, about as high as a man could reach, and beyond me was a low but very pleasant valley, in which stood a tree such as I had never seen before. It was exceedingly handsome, insomuch that I looked upon it with wonder and admiration. Its beautiful branches spread themselves somewhat like an umbrella, and it bore a kind of fruit, a shape much like a chestnut burr, and as white as snow, or if possible, whiter. I gazed upon the same with considerable interest, and as I was doing so, the burrs and shells commenced opening and shedding their particles, or the fruit which they contained, which was of dazzling whiteness. I drew near and began to eat of it, and found it delicious beyond description. As I was eating, I said in my heart, I cannot eat this alone. I must bring my wife and children, that they might partake with me. Accordingly, I went and brought my family, which consisted of a wife and seven children. We all commenced eating and praising God for this blessing. We were exceedingly happy in so much that our joy could not easily be expressed. While thus engaged, I beheld a spacious building standing opposite the valley which we were in, and it appeared to reach to the very heavens. It was full of doors and windows, and they were filled with people who were very finely dressed. When these people observed us in the low valley under the tree, they pointed the finger of scorn at us, and treated us with all manner of disrespect and contempt, but their contumely was we utterly disregarded. Uh, I turned to my guide and inquired of him the meaning of the fruit that was so delicious. He told me it was the pure love of God, shed abroad in the hearts of all those who love him, and keep his commandments. He then commanded me to go and bring the rest of my children. I told him we were all there. No, he replied, look yonder. You have two more. You must bring them also. Upon raising my eyes, I saw two small children standing some distance off. Immediately went to them and brought them uh, to the tree. They commenced eating with the rest. We all rejoiced together. <clears throat> After feasting this manner a short time, I asked... My guide, what was the meaning of the spacious building I saw? He replied, It is Babylon. It is Babylon, and it must fall. The people in the doors and windows are inhabitants thereof, who scorn and despise the saints of God because of their humility. I soon awoke, clapping my hands together for joy. Now tell me, why, when we've heard every fucking Sunday of our entire lives about the fucking vision of Lehi and the tree of life and the iron fucking rod, why we've never heard that dream of Joseph Smith Sr.? See, that's actually a very good question. I mean... This is in her journal. How is it this has not been brought forward and just thrown in the church's face and <clears throat> said, what the fuck is this? Yeah, they they will point out that it was written in 1845. And obviously her memory was influenced by the events in the Book of Mormon, right? No oh, way course. could he possibly have had this dream. She had read the Book of Mormon and she must have mistook it. Of course she did. 
(laughs) Yes, and and yet they always point to Joseph Smith's mother whenever it is convenient to them. Yeah, isn't that interesting, right? In this case, she's kind of an idiot, or she's allowed this stuff to uh, influence her her brain and influence her. Unconsciously. Uh, I find it actually uh, more likely that he actually did have the dream, and, you know, somehow it made itself into the Book of Mormon. Just like a bunch of other shit that Joseph Smith plagiarized in the Book of Mormon. Can you imagine then reading that and saying, Dad, this is just like your dream that you had. My God, you're father of a prophet. You have that gift of prophecy yourself. You know, Lehi was so important. He was bringing the people over here to inhabit the Americas. And you are having the same dream Lehi did. Dad, you are a prophet of God. That I find likely. I don't find it likely that that uh, Lucy Mac Smith, for no fucking reason whatsoever, made that shit up and put it in a book. <laughs> what is she trying to do? Make Joseph Smith look bad? Come on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oops, I'm sitting here bragging about my son, but I want to throw something in that's going to be detrimental to his credibility. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something a mother would do. Oh, God. All right. That's the tree of life. Um Joseph Smith Sr.'s vision that uh, um, is just like <laughs> the pagan uh, plagiarism by anticipation that Satan did. He, you know, time traveled backwards and Lehi actually had that dream. First. Yeah, absolutely astonishing. All right, well, well, how about this one? First Nephi sixteen eighteen. This is just kind of an honorable mention because it's another one of those childhood what-the-fuck moments. And what this says is, And it came to pass that as I, Nephi, went forth to slay food, behold, I did break my bow, which was made of fine steel. And after, after I did break my bow, behold, my brethren were angry with me because of the loss of my bow, for we did not obtain food. And the reason why is because all at the same time, every single fucking bow they owned stopped working, and not a single one of them knew how to make or where to find and purchase a new bow. I um, I find it very hard to believe that he has a fucking steel bow in the, uh, bow in the first place. Uh, fine steel bow. <laughs> <laughs> In 600 BC, I'm sure they're very common, just like the brass plates. They're fucking all over the place. And Nephi has a steel. It was probably a compound bow. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, it was a compound bow. But Le or Nephi was so strong and manly that he snapped it in two. <laughs> the steel bow. <laughs> he broke his steel bow, and he made one out of wood. I guess right. Isn't that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, see, this is why. I have no doubt that whoever wrote the Book of Mormon had some sort of Mary Sue complex because after they break the bows, everybody's back at camp, and it describes this. Everybody's back at camp bitching and moaning and bemoaning God, and Nephi is the only one who does it. Goes, makes a bow, comes back, yells at his father and says, you should have faith. The father now stands up, prays to God, sends Nephi to where to find the food. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? The youngest, or the this young son, running around being the one who guides the entire family? Uh, Joseph Smith, whoever wrote this, are you jacking off to yourself? <laughs> All right, you skipped ahead a little bit uh, because you, you missed the Liahona. The Liahona is oh, one of wow. my favorites. 
Well, I was in... I was leaving that for you. I just this was just honorable mention. The Leona was in First Nephi sixteen ten, and it came to pass that as my father arose in the morning and went forth to the tent door, to his great astonishment he beheld upon the ground a round ball of curious workmanship, and it was of fine brass. So he found a brass ball. <laughs> um, most people have two balls. And within the ball were two spindles. And the one pointed the way whither we should go into the wilderness. So this is um, fucking first GPS device in history. Yeah, yeah. We're talking the most amazing GPS device because it doesn't just tell you where you are and where your location is. It tells you that only if you have faith and true belief in God. If your faith starts doubting, it just stops working. It's like it runs out of batteries. You are absolutely correct. It is not powered by AA batteries. It is powered by righteousness. Yes, by righteousness, just by being near. So that glow my mother talked about was being fed from uh, Lehi directly into the Liahona. This is a um, super-powered ball as well, because it didn't just have two spindles, but every once in a while, the Lord would write some shit on the ball. Yeah, it would just appear on the surface of the ball. Verse 26, And it came to pass that the voice of the Lord said unto him, Look upon the ball! (laughs) (laughs) God's too tired to talk to him, so he just wrote him a quick note. It's I like gotta a tell you, at work, uh, I would have loved to hear God's voice say, "Look upon the ball." <laughs> I would have just been, uh, "God, behold the ball." God, I don't want to look on your ball. <laughs> God, please don't make me look on your balls. <laughs> look upon the. Look upon the ball and behold the things which are written. Guess it, it's better than God coming out saying, look upon the shaft. I mean, that may be a little something. And it came to pass that when my father beheld the things which were written upon the ball, he did fear and tremble exceedingly. He read, he read the ball and he started trembling. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, beheld the pointers which were in the ball, and they did work according to the faith and diligence and heed which we did give unto them. So if you don't give heed to the spindles on the ball, they just yeah, get pissed off. You better fucking do what those arrows tell you to do. <laughs> because it's not like a, a modern-day GPS which just tells you to turn around. It just says, fuck you, and stops working. And there was also written upon them a new writing, which was plain to be read, which did give us understanding concerning the ways of the Lord. And if it it's was... a new writing, how is it plain <laughs> to be read? You have to learn first. And it was written and changed from time to time according to the faith and diligence which we gave unto it. And so thus, the writing would seriously change, too. I love that. Yeah, right. It was like a um, digital display screen, I guess. <laughs> yeah, where if it's if the Leohona's angry at you, all it says is, suck it, bitches, find That's your right. own way. <laughs> <laughs> the, the spindles just kind of uh, spin around. They go limp. Suck it, bitches. Oh, anybody got some <laughs> Viagra for the Leohona? Oh, God. All right, so... In uh, chapter 18, now and the Lord commands Nephi to build a ship, suspiciously, just like Noah. Yeah, and before, the, the, well, the one difference between that and uh, really Noah is the fact that Nephi uh, goes out, starts building, and his brothers make fun of him. And so God gives Nephi superpowers where he just reaches out and touches his two brothers and they get shocked and get thrown to the ground. Right. You'd think that after having angels appear to you, you get shocked, thrown to the ground, all this shit, they'd, you know, 
pull their after head having a goddamn piece of brass ball changing and letters appearing constantly. They That's might, not yeah. A- they might think that God's paying a little more attention to them and pull their shit together, but no, because when this ship is sailed, this is now uh, eighteen verse nine in First Nephi. And after we had been driven forth before the wind for the space of many days, behold, my brethren and the sons of Ishmael and also their wives began to make themselves merry. And you know God doesn't like when people make themselves merry. When people start having fun, God starts frowning. Insomuch that they began to dance and to sing. Oh, you fuckers. And to speak with much rudeness, such as the host of irreligiosity. (laughs) Is that in the Book of Mormon? Yes. Because that's some damn good prophecy. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's specific shit in here. That's true. Yea, even that they did forget by what power they had been brought thither. Yea, they were lifted up unto exceeding rudeness. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, they were exceeding rude. Yeah, they start having fun, and suddenly Nephi's left out, and so they're the exceedingly rude ones. I'm noticing a pattern. Yeah, if you can't dance, then everyone else is exceedingly rude. (laughs) Yeah, for dancing without you. And I, Nephi, began to fear exceedingly. There's a lot of exceeding in here. Lest the Lord should be angry with us and smite us because of our iniquity. You know, because the Lord doesn't like dancing. No sexy dancing. Yeah, can't have that. If Nephi can't dance, no one can dance. Wherefore, I, Nephi, just in case you were confused about what fucking book it was. Wherefore, (laughs) I, Nephi, began to speak to them with much soberness. But behold, they were angry with me, saying, We will not that our younger brother shall be a ruler over us. So he's kind of being a dick here, saying, stop dancing. Yeah, stop dancing. I'm the ruler over you. You heard it from God's lips. Yeah, I would kick his ass and tie him to the mast, too. Oh, yeah. came to pass that Leighton and Lemuel did take me and bind me with cords, (laughs) and they did treat me with much harshness. (laughs) What a fucking whiner. (laughs) (laughs) They tied me to the mast, and Mom and Dad told them to let me go, but they said no, and they continued dancing and singing. Nevertheless, the Lord did suffer it that he might show forth his power. Again, he did the same thing with Pharaoh, right? What a douchebag God is. Oh, let him bind you with cords to lash you to the mast. It'll be okay, Nephi, because I can show what a big old fucking honcho I am. It it doesn't matter that I've shocked the shit out of your brothers. It doesn't matter that I've sent angels down to stop your brothers from beating the shit out of you. Uh, I'm going to show them further how powerful I am. And it came to pass that after they had bound me in so much that I could not move, here here it is, the Lord's going to show them exactly how much power he has. The compass, which had been prepared of the Lord, did cease to work. <laughs> That's well, a bitch. He showed them. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's too bad no one has ever been out on the sea before 600 B.C. <laughs> Wherefore, they knew not whither they should steer the ship. Well, aren't they too busy fucking dancing and singing? Uh, I thought so. No one was steering. Everybody right. was dancing and singing. And, uh, I mean, uh, in the children's book, you have the parents... Lehi and, uh, what was the woman's name, Sariah? Sariah is Nephi's mom. Yeah, yeah, you have Lehi and Sariah. They're just kind of laying in bed going, can't you guys just untie Nephi? Why don't you get up and fucking do it yourself? They're all, keep it down up there, we're fucking. (laughs) Stop bothering us, we're trying to sleep. Turn off the record player. Yeah, this is just like, Children <laughs> fighting and the parents just trying to go to sleep. <laughs> he got a broom. He just smacks the ceiling. Stop it. <laughs> you kids better knock it off. 
So a big st- be good, otherwise I'm going to come up there and then you're going to have to really worry because God's fury doesn't even match mine. Don't make me turn this ship around, you fuckers. <laughs> I will send you back to the destruction of Zarahemla. Uh, so um, a great storm arose now because, you know, they don't fucking care if the compass doesn't work. But now a storm comes, and uh, they were driven back upon the waters for the space of three days. They began to be frightened exceedingly lest they should be drowned in the sea. Nevertheless, they did not loose me. Can you imagine what a whiny bitch Nephi is? Come on, guys. Loosen me now. I'm serious. God's going to show his power. Oh, look, the Liahona stopped working. See? God's power. (laughs) Untie me. Now it's getting really windy. You know how cold I am up here at this mast? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so, uh, literally, God was punishing Nephi, because... Yeah, three fucking days! storm was coming, <laughs> they could hide from the storm, and Nephi's out there tied to the fucking mask, getting this full on in the face. <laughs> Guys, my nipples are cutting through my shirt! Guys, I can't feel my hands! <laughs> oh, well, it came to pass that we were about to be swallowed up. And uh, into the depths of the sea, after we had been driven back upon the waters for the space of four days, my brethren began to see that the judgments of God were upon them, that they must perish, save that they should repent of their iniquities. Wherefore they came unto me, and loosed the bands which were upon my wrists. And behold, they had swollen exceedingly, and also mine ankles were much swollen, and great was the soreness thereof. What and a whiny yes. bitch! Yet, no, 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 he's describing this so you understand the pains he had to go through to crawl forward and grab that Liahona to make it work in the storm to stop and then crawl all the way back up to that wheel so he could steer the ship. Nevertheless, That's I, why he mentioned it. I did look unto my God, and I did praise him all the day long. And I did not murmur against the Lord because of mine afflictions, because my wrists are really swollen and my ankles hurt me too. Uh, no one's listening to my whining. <laughs> Not to mention that, it's been four fucking days. You know the shit pile that is accumulating underneath this mast? What are you talking about? It's running down the mast. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the Lord's miraculously washing it away with the storm. Well, that was the reason for the storm. <laughs> okay, so anyway, you know, the storm calms down and uh, the Leona starts working again. Yeah. What a fucking surprise. All right, well, we're kind of running short on time, but I absolutely want to cover atheism in the Book of Mormon because they do have instances of atheism, and yet it's the same fucking story every single time. For this one, we're going to cover Korahor, and for those of you who actually want to read this shit, it's Alma 30 is where you're going to run across this. But... Basically, you have Korahor coming to Zarahemla. Now, this isn't the Zarahemla that they ran away from. This is the Zarahemla they built in America. And this Korahor doesn't believe in God, so he starts preaching to everybody unbelief and telling them there is no God. And you, do you want to know what the judges of the land did? What, what, what do you think you would do if you ran across somebody preaching unbelief? Well, you know, they've said that, you know, you have freedom of belief, freedom of belief, freedom of belief, blah, blah, blah. But now they get really concerned that they're um, leading the people astray. So we'll see exactly how far this freedom of belief goes. Yeah. They tied him up. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) The chief judge came out, tied him up, and then sent him to Alma. (laughs) You know, they don't have kings, of course, because they're they're lordly. Yeah. They have judges. This is Judges, and in fact, it's funny because as you read some of these, they start complaining 
because when the people start going wicked, then somebody becomes a king and they start charging, brace for it, taxes. Yeah. And Very that's wicked. when you know they're evil because the judges, they do this out of the kindness of their heart. They do this without pay, and this is why the LDS religion looks towards these sorts of societies and why Joseph Smith tried to start something like this. It has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that in the 1800s um, they'd just gotten over the Revolutionary War, which is primarily about unfair taxation, right, from the King of England, the wicked King of England. Yeah. Now we replaced ourselves with a president, and they didn't have taxes, right? Income tax didn't start until, what, the 19-teens or 20s? It was the early 1900s. It was right after the First World War, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, at this point, there is no taxation. So apparently all taxation is evil, uh, as opposed to what you know Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Yeah. In the Book of Mormon, it's, it's evil. Evil! Yeah. Apparently Jesus was uh, reading the wrong book. Apparently the bureaucracy of God just magically works by itself without any funds. <laughs> Just like what the exactly? church, right? Where you don't have to pay fucking 10% tithing. That's a tax, dipshits! <laughs> God. But no, no, no. This is... That is towards the kingdom of God and building right. the kingdom of God. Not, not Taxes tax. is towards the temporal or worldly things. Well, um, you know, in Alma... What is this, 30 that we're in? Yeah, Alma 30. Uh, basically, Korahor is dragged to Alma, and they start arguing. They, they have a little argument here, um, which is great because this is the, the book that has the plain and precious truth, right? So these should be the greatest arguments against atheism, which apparently was a massive problem in ancient America. Yeah. <laughs> Atheists. Massive, massive problem. And for those of you who want to read this actual argument, because we don't have time to go over it, all you have to read is Alma 30 verses 37 to about 54, or even you can read the entire story, story oh, up to hit, Alma 59. Let's hit the high points. Um, Alma's questioning Cory Hor. He says, Well, of course we're going to hit the high points. And Alma then said, him, Believest thou that there is a God? And he answered, Nay. All right, Cory Hor is an atheist. Uh, atheists don't exist. And he says, Now Alma said unto him, Will ye deny again that there is a God? <laughs> and also deny the Christ? Because, you know, <clears throat> this is before Christ came to the Americas, which we'll go into later. That's my little story. And Korhor's um, response is he would believe in God if God showed him a sign. Well, before that, Alma says, And now what evidence have ye that there is no God, or that Christ cometh not? I say unto you that ye have none, save it be your word only. Oh my God! Fucking A! Fucking A! What <laughs> evidence do you have? Hey, hey, Alma. My dick is the Lord. What evidence do you have that it is not? Hey, Alma, what evidence do you have that Jesus is coming? <laughs> you can't assert... Didn't we just go over this with evidence for faith? Yes, you, we did. Who asked us the exact same fucking thing? What yeah. evidence do you have that there is not... What is your positive evidence for the absence of a god? <laughs> oh, Lord. Hey, Alma, there's a pink unicorn who is actually the Lord of the universe. What evidence do you have that there is no such thing? That it pink is not... unicorn worships <clears throat> me every night, trust me. <laughs> it is not my job to refute your stupid assertions. It's your job to prove them. <laughs> you make and, the assertion, you provide the evidence. And yet, this is the exact template. There's a couple of, uh, of atheist stories. I think uh, there's one invo involving Jacob and Sherem. 
Um, but this is the, the layout of the story. In fact, the unbeliever comes, he preaches, he gets taken before the leader. The leader asks him those same questions. Do you believe in God? He says no. He demands a miracle. And so in the, the case of Korahor, he gets a miracle. He's struck dumb. He can't speak. In right. the the in I love Sheriff's how instance. in verse forty two Alma says, "Behold, I know that thou believest, but thou art possessed with a lying spirit, and ye have put off the spirit of God that it may have no place in you. But the devil has power over you, and he doth carry you about, working devices that he may destroy the children of God." This is where Leighton. This is where all the Mormons think. Of course, you believe in God. Of course, yeah. you believe in God. You're just see, sinning. You have a lying spirit in you. This possessed. is something you and I just talked about because I was uh, I have a, a Mormon buddy that helps me out every once in a while and while we were in the car driving away religion was brought up and I just laughed and made the comment that I didn't believe any of uh, what he was saying because I was an atheist and he literally turned to me and said no you're not and right. I <laughs> yeah. no you're just possessed of a lying spirit yeah and so Coryhor said unto Alma if thou wilt show me a sign that I may be convinced there is a God, yea, show unto me that he hath power, and then will I be convinced the truth of thy words. All he's asking for is evidence. This is perfectly fucking reasonable. Mm-hmm. And what and what does and he say? He receives the evidence, though. That's the right. thing I want to point out here, is he receives the evidence. In every instance right. of a non-believer in the Book of Mormon preaching unbelief and then going to the prophet, he gets his miracle. It's some sort of sin, right, to, to, to disbelieve. In, in this um, template, in this mindset, it's a sin to question. And what do they do? They give him evidence. They say, okay, here's a miracle. He's struck dumb. He can't talk. And now Korihor writes onto a little tablet because he can't talk. I do not deny the existence of God, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I have always deep down believed. Right? So in verse 52, and Coryhor put forth his hand and wrote, saying, I know that I am dumb, for I cannot speak. And I know that nothing save it were the power of God could bring this upon me. Yea, and I always knew that there was a God. He's just lying. He's just a lying bastard. Yeah. He always knew it. What, what's even worse is so he's struck dumb. So what do dumb people do? Well, They've lost their ability to work because they can't speak, and so now they're cursed to wander the streets begging for food until they're trampled to death? Right. He belie- he got a sign. Now he believes in God, and then the curse still wasn't. Now he believes in God, and the curse still isn't taken off him, and he wanders around. He's cast out, went from house to house begging for food. Yeah, because one, apparently God. when you're dumb and you can't speak, your arms and legs stop working, so you can't work either. And God from above said, April fools. <laughs> uh, God, it's <laughs> August. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what happened to the other dude? Let's see. The other dude. Now, this is the difference. The other dude asks for a sign from Jacob. But Jacob says, you know what? I'm not going to tempt God with a sign. But if God wants to give a sign, he'll do it. And so God strikes Sherem down. He falls over and lays weak in bed, ready to die. And then he tells everybody, oh, by the way, as I'm about to die, I want to get this off my chest. I lied. I've always believed in God. And then he dies. <laughs> I, I kid you fucking not. This is 
the same fucking story just stamped again and again, just with different names. All these atheists are just fucking liars. They're just a they bunch really of do believe. Liars. They really do believe. They just lie. Hence, now you know what happens to atheists, you lying sacks of shit. <laughs> so, it's a, probably a good, uh, a good place to end the podcast. What I want to do for the next podcast is cover Christ's visit to Americas because this is oh, the yes. central, central uh, point of all of Mormon doctrine. This is and it it's right filled here. with as much dipshittery as the rest of the Book of Mormon. So, absolutely. So, uh, we'll sign off this week. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.